48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. National Security Police raid the closed June 4th Museum in Mongkok. The administration extends the COVID vaccination program until the end of the year. And experts from two local universities invent a robotic device for healing head and neck cancer. National Security Police have raided the closed June 4th Museum in Mong Kok as several core members of the Hong Kong Alliance in support of patriotic democratic movements of China, which ran the venue, remain in detention. As Francis Sitt reports, officers were seen seizing items such as pieces of cardboard. Officers arrived at the museum in the morning, cordoning off the entrance to the building. They were later seen loading a truck with bits of cardboard, including one bearing the museum's logo, another carrying a picture of a lit candle, as well as a caricature of the Alliance founding member, the late Si To Wa. The Alliance, which used to hold annual June 4th candlelight vigils, closed the venue in June after officials accused it of operating the site without the required licenses. The group pleaded guilty in court and was fined $8,000. Vice Chairwoman Chao Han Tong and three other members of the alliance were arrested yesterday on suspicion of failing to provide information as instructed by National Security Police. The force alleged that their refusal contravenes rules set out in Article 43 of the National Security Law, which states that suspects can be required to answer questions and hand over material relevant to an investigation. Meanwhile, sources have said one more core member of the alliance, Choi Hong Kwong, has been arrested. He earlier filed a judicial review challenging the police's demand for information, arguing they have overstepped their powers. The government has announced the extension of its COVID-19 inoculation program to the end of the year. The majority of Hong Kong's community vaccination centres will remain open and there will be a greater effort to reach out to those most at risk of infection. Natalie Ching reports. 21 of the city's 26 community vaccination centers that are currently in use will stay open through December, but with shorter hours and a rest day on Wednesday. The other five centers will close from November, including the ones being operated by private hospitals, such as Hong Kong Sanatorium and Hospital and St. Paul's Hospital. Patrick Nip is the minister in charge of the vaccination drive. The private hospitals, they have their own consideration and I think they have already rendered tremendous support to the government's vaccination program. So uh, we uh, express our understanding. And for the remaining 21 community vaccination centres to be operated until end of the year, I think the uh, overall capacity should be able to meet the uh, anticipated demand for vaccination. Officials added that more outreach teams will be sent into the community, such as to malls and housing estates, to get more people inoculated. Mr Nip says steps are being taken to help ease concern expressed by the elderly about vaccination. I don't think the elderly are opposed to vaccinations. They have some concerns, especially uh, many of them might have chronic illness and all that. So what they need is some sort of clear explanation from the doctors, consultation and assurance from doctors and nurses. And the second area is about convenience. So we would make the necessary arrangement to facilitate their vaccination. And more people can now take the jabs without making an appointment. These include staff of care homes for the elderly and the disabled, restaurants and pubs and schools. Two local universities have jointly invented a new robotic device to heal head and neck cancer. Clinical and engineering experts from the Chinese University of Hong Kong and the University of Hong Kong say the new laser microsurgery device will be less invasive. Unlike the traditional method where a straight metal tube has to extend into the patient's mouth, the largely plastic device can remove tumours in narrow throats. 
CUHK surgical expert Jason Chan says he hopes the device can be put to use within a decade. With this flexibility, we may have patients where we can operate on when they're not in extreme positions. For example, to have your patients with their necks extended, their mouths open really wide, and we sometimes have to use sutures or other materials to pull their tongues really out of their mouth and forwards. So these are extreme positions that are not suitable for all patients. And even with those extreme positions, you cannot get to all these tumors. So with these small profile flexible uh, robotic systems, uh, we may not need to use such extreme positions and still get to where we need to go or even other places as well. To the weather forecast, becoming cloudy with a few showers and squally thunderstorms tomorrow. The minimum temperature will be about 28 degrees. Very hot again with sunny intervals and a top temperature of about 33 degrees. The outlook very hot over the weekend with thunderstorms triggered by high temperatures. Currently 30 degrees, humidity at 80% and the very hot weather warning is still in force. You're listening to RTHK, the time's exactly five minutes past 11. Twelve more activists have pleaded guilty to their alleged roles in an unauthorised assembly on June the 4th last year. Former lawmakers, including Albert Ho, Leung Kwok Hung and Ju Hoi Dick, and others pleaded guilty to taking part in or inciting others to take part in an unlawful assembly. Eight other defendants in the case, including Apple Daily founder Jimmy Lai and Hong Kong Alliance Vice Chairwoman Chow Hang Tung, had earlier said they would not plead guilty and their trial is set for November. Artist and architect Raymond Fung says the opening of the M-Plus Museum later this year will be an important milestone for arts development in Hong Kong. It was announced yesterday the museum will finally open its doors on November the 12th, after years of delay. Local residents will be able to visit the Contemporary Visual Culture Museum for free in its inaugural year. A decision Mr Fong, a member of the Development Committee of the West Kowloon Cultural District Authority, says has been made to help boost visitor numbers. We're talking about having free of charge for Hong Kong people and hoping to see progress, you know, in terms of visitors. And by then, maybe, you know, mainlanders come to Hong Kong after some months and that will take some time to see how it works. Now we are talking ourselves as being an Asia art hub. So this is going to be a very important milestone for Hong Kong. Earlier this year, the museum was slammed for its plan to display one of the works by artist Ai Weiwei, saying the piece could violate the national security law by spreading hatred against China. When asked how the museum will handle the risk of some art exhibits falling foul of the law, Mr Fung explained they have thousands of pieces of art to choose from. I think we noted that there are about 6,000 pieces of work in the uh, collections in the Plus. And if you're talking about single out some of the pieces there, I'm sure um, our director will know how to, you know, um, carry on or how to position some of this work and see how you know, herself to um, create. Because um, it's not always having the same piece of work for every show. And this time, I know that, you know, some of the work may not be there, but it doesn't matter because there will be a lot of shows coming up. Turning overseas, North Korea has held a military parade to mark the anniversary of the country's founding, but none of its ballistic missiles were on display. The BBC's Laura Bicker has the details. The main state newspaper published images of the crowds and the fireworks, but no major weapons or ballistic missiles were on show. A new troop has appeared in the parade. They were wearing bright red hazmat suits and gas masks and maybe a unit set up to prevent the spread of coronavirus. 
Previous parades have shown new tactical weapons built in defiance of international sanctions. But this display is more likely to be aimed at boosting morale amid food shortages and a deepening economic crisis. Dozens of women have been marching through the streets of the Afghan capital Kabul and in the northeastern Badakhshan province in protest at the announcement of an interim Taliban government with no female representatives. Some were reportedly beaten before the protests were dispersed. Despite this, activists told reporters they had no plans to end their protests. We will continue this demonstration as long as we can and as long as we are alive because we want our rights from the international community, the rights that Islam gave us 1400 years ago. Our discussion is not about Islamic dress. Our discussion is about the right to work and our right to education. And to the international community who have been silent for the past few days, we want you to please hear our voice and stand with us. The only surviving suspected gunman from the jihadist attacks in Paris six years ago has appeared in court at the start of France's biggest ever terrorism trial. Salah Abdeslam is among 14 people accused of being involved in the attacks that killed 130 people. The suicide bombing and gun assault by three coordinated groups on bars, restaurants and the Bataclan music venue also left hundreds of people injured. It remains France's worst atrocity since the Second World War. Ben was one of the lucky people who escaped the Bataclan concert hall in Paris, along with his brother. Ninety of the people trapped inside were killed. Ben says he refuses to be defined by what happened. All the victims will tell you that it's in the head, so it's stress post-traumatic. The trial is, is really a kind of milestone in this recovery path and make sure that we, we are just normal people with a very bad experience at the time and not with a victim label only. Just six years ago, she was being fated by the likes of Bill Clinton and tipped as Silicon Valley's next superstar. But yesterday, Elizabeth Holmes appeared in court in California, accused of 12 counts of fraud over her collapsed biotech firm Theranos. She's accused of making billions of US dollars through false claims about a blood testing device which didn't work. The BBC's James Clayton spent the day at the hearing in San Jose. The prosecution got off first. Elizabeth Holmes was sat up straight in her chair. And it was interesting, her lawyers were kind of lounging back in their seats, but she was bolt upright. It was really noticeable. She was so attentive. You couldn't see her face because she had a mask on, but she was staring straight at the prosecuting lawyers. Um, the prosecution just went for it straight off the bat. They were like, this person has lied and cheated investors out of millions and millions of dollars and also created real world harms. So for example, they mentioned that they'll be submitting evidence of cancer patients who are misdiagnosed. Essentially what they're arguing is Elizabeth Holmes knew the technology didn't work, particularly during the Walgreens contract that it signed in 2010. This was a huge contract that the company agreed with Walgreens to provide diagnostics. And the prosecution focused a lot on that, that Theranos lied and manipulated the data that they gave to Walgreens to get that contract. So we're going to be seeing a lot more of that in the trial. 
One of the biggest memorials to those who fought to defend slavery in the American Civil War has been removed from the former capital of the Confederacy in Richmond, Virginia. A six-metre-high statue of Robert E. Lee, one of the leaders in the South, was taken down and will be stored until a decision about its future is made. The monument, along with dozens of others, had become the focus of racial justice protests in the past 18 months, following the murder of George Floyd. These locals explained why they were pleased to see it go. It's a beautiful moment um, in this country. You know, this isn't the end, but these sign- this signifies that we're accepting the past for what it really is. We can't hold the Confederacy and, and people like Robert E. Lee on statues anymore. For it to finally come down, man, it's a moment of joy for me because it represents so much of oppression, depression, because who Robert E. Lee represents. To sports, and we start with tennis. The British teenager Emma Raducanu has become the first qualifier to reach the semi-finals of the US Open in its history. She beat the Olympic gold medalist Belinda Bencic 6-3, 6-4 in the last eight. The 18-year-old will face the Greek Maria Sakkari for a place in the final. Raducanu says she never expected to make it so far in the competition. My flights were booked at the end of qualifying, so um, <laughs> it's a nice problem to have, but... Uh, yeah, I'm just really enjoying the experience and um, out there on the court today, I was saying to myself, this could be the last time you play on Ash, so might as well just go for it and enjoy everything. In the men's singles, Alexander Zverev is through to the last four after beating Lloyd Harris of South Africa in straight sets. Zverev will play Novak Djokovic after he took four sets to overcome Matteo Berrettini. In football, a late equaliser rescued a point for Poland against England in a one-all draw in World Cup qualifying in Warsaw. The BBC's John Murray was watching. England remain on course for World Cup qualification, but this will have left a bad taste because of the way Poland snatched an equaliser in the second minute of added time through substitute Zimanski's header. Because that meant England dropped points for the first time in this campaign, when it looked like Harry Kane's spectacular 30-yard goal in the 72nd minute would win it. And because there was ill feeling after a melee before half-time, England say the FA gathered statements from the players about some of the alleged actions of their Polish opponents. To golf, where Team USA captain Steve Stricker has named four debutants in his six wildcard picks for the Ryder Cup against Europe, which will be played at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin Excuse me, at the end of this month. More from the BBC's Ian Carter. Stricker will lead an inexperienced team when the US side try to wrestle back the trophy. Of his six selections, only Tony Finau and Jordan Spieth have previous Ryder Cup experience. Stricker has selected debutants in Olympic champions under Schauffele, Daniel Berger, Harris English and Scotty Scheffler. There's no place for Patrick Reed, the man known as Captain America. And with Colin Morikawa and Patrick Cantley having already qualified, exactly half of the team will be playing their first Ryder Cup. Europe's skipper, Pordrick Harrington, names his three picks on Sunday night. A reminder of our top stories tonight. National Security Police raid the closed June 4th Museum in Moncock and the administration extends the COVID vaccination programme until the end of the year. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 
so you think you can tell Heaven from hell Blue skies from pain Can you tell a green field From a cold steel rail A smile from a veil Do you think you can tell track from probably the best if not certainly one of the best albums ever from pink floyd just love the way that began i always remember the first time i ever heard that just totally blew me away also for bayam who's a 